Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Dr. Monica Bramani provides a multifaceted treatment approach in treating adolescents and adults suffering from trauma, abuse, mood, anxiety, substance addiction, and other related conditions and disorders. Dr. Monica Bramani, clinical psychologist and author of A Deeper Wellness, Conquering Stress, Mood, Anxiety, and Trauma, tells us that it's easier to stay with the beast we understand than the one we don't. Welcome, Dr. Monica Vermani. So glad to have you. We are talking about toxic relationships today. Yes. Thank you very much, Lori, for having me here. We're talking about toxic relationships and something I noticed a lot of times, I think people don't even realize they're in a toxic relationship. Great, great point. It's true. And, you know, we've been talking a lot in the media about toxic relationships in the last while, because since the pandemic, there's been a lot of mood, anxiety, anger flaring out there. And it's important for us to realize that toxic relationships definitely are with people, but there's also toxic relationships with alcohol, drugs, shopping, you know, toxic relationships at workplaces with colleagues, with children. And so it's not necessarily always intimate relationships. However, we do refer many times to toxic relationships as problematic in uh, intimate dynamics. Dynamics where initially they start off really nice and we see good in one another, but over time we get to see each other's issues sometimes spilling onto each other. And I do say spilling over onto each other as I think deep down inside, most of us try to do the best we can with what we have. And over time, our pain, our suffering, our symptoms tend to spill over. When you're in pain, you spill over onto others. And if you're in an intimate relationship, it obviously is your partner who gets that first. When we talk about trauma, it's because we've talked a lot about that lately too, is I feel like people don't sometimes understand that if they have trauma and they don't deal with it, Uh, I like how you say it spills out onto others and they don't even really realize that they're affecting those around them. We have conscious and unconscious thoughts that constantly affect us. And, you know, one reason why we get into toxic relationships or become people that tend to display toxic behaviors are sometimes blueprints. We grew up with dysfunctional family environments and we've seen through role modeled behaviors or parents that have dysfunctional interactions between each other. We learn them. We, it's modeled behavior, whether it's controlling, gaslighting, it's abusive, it's silent treatment. And we have a tendency sometimes to just repeat cycles without knowing there's another way to be. And so we do the best we can with what we have. And as much as I say, when you're in pain, you spill over onto others. If you work on yourself and you're in a place of health, you also ripple out there spilling over onto others in health. And so we have an individual responsibility to try to be our highest and best version of ourselves, which one, prevents us from being in toxic relationships, but two, also prevents us from being people that can be toxic to others. Can you kind of walk us through the book? So A Deeper Wellness is a workbook that deals with stress, mood, anxiety, and traumas. We all have different layers of these symptoms from my experience and working with clinical populations every day. During the pandemic, many of us saw symptoms get louder and louder. And the purpose of suffering and symptoms is to sometimes be a catalyst for change. And the book is about that, helping you regardless of where you're at, facilitate change to be a better version of you. 
whether it's blueprints we're repeating, whether we want to fix people and think we can sacrifice ourselves and help others at our expense, whether we're people pleasing, or we just don't know better, or we don't have the self-esteem to feel deserving of better or worthy of love. Whatever your struggle is, it's important for us to pause and reflect, take a step back and see if I can take my life up a notch be a higher, better version of you. And the book, A Deeper Wellness, really came from the intent to give people who don't have access to treatment or don't have the resources, funding, or time for it to at least start where they're at, look at what they're doing in their lives that they could improve for your own happiness and well-being. And then as you're being a better version of you, you ripple out there to be a better version of you to your family members, to your partner, to your colleagues, to your friends, community, and the world. In relation to signs of a toxic relationship, you know, many of us experience, you know, uh, self-doubt, fear, anxiety, increased self-doubt looks like you always double, triple guessing yourself. Am I the problem here or is this person the problem here? You know, lack of support, feeling unsupported by your partner or colleagues or workplaces, um, a constant state of stress. Walking on eggshells is a big one. Many people in toxic relationships wonder you know, am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? And then by doubting yourself, you tend to suppress your truth and you remove the authentic being to becoming more what people expect of you. And then you don't have healthy communication when you start walking on eggshells. You also have a tendency to put up with disrespect. We dictate the level of respect people treat us by. And many times we're not worthy or we're feeling a struggle of self-esteem where we start putting up with people's disrespect thinking that we might be causing it friends supports colleagues it's important for us to learn and talk to people around us that's how we learn we do the best we can with what we have and sometimes by speaking to friends and family members outside of us we can get perspective of am i in a toxic relationship or dynamic that is unhealthy for me But then the other thing to do is if you're not happy or you have loud symptoms of mood, anxiety, trauma, stress, you tend to feel unhappy. My famous criteria is more days than not. More days than not, if you're unhappy in a relationship, you need to explore, is this healthy for me? More days than not, if I'm unhappy in my workplace, I need to explore, is this the best place for me? More days than not, if I'm having conflict with my children, do I need to bring in resources, counseling, other people to help me facilitate the relationship so it's smoother, so more days than not, I'm happier than unhappy? And when it comes to seeking out treatment, well, sometimes treatment providers provide you a mirror a mirror to show you what you're struggling with. When you're inside your body, you got physical symptoms, you got negative thoughts racing around, and you have maladaptive, unhealthy behaviors in place as habits. All of this we live with every day and we feel overwhelmed with the responsibilities we have. By seeing a therapist, you have a safe space where you can sit down, talk about your symptoms, break it down, understand what's physical, what's negative thoughts, what negative behaviors you have, And then come up with actionable steps to get out of a place of feeling stuck and overwhelmed and anxious to a place of feeling liberated, healthy, and moving in the right direction, at least. You know, baby steps, gradual steps, but alone, we can't do everything. We're social beings and seeking out resources of professionals who can show you another way to be will help you also facilitate your self-esteem to feel deserving and better, but also to bring in simple tools to just get out of a place of feeling overwhelmed to a place of clarity, freedom, peace, and happiness. 
I love it that we could pick up a book if we're wondering, Mm -hmm. and then it could lead us to more. One of the things that I hear a lot in the recovery world is if nothing changes, nothing changes. Yeah, we are a product of our choices and changes. And again, we do the best we can with what we know. And sometimes we're repeating patterns and we don't know better. But by learning from resources and professionals, you can have another viewpoint that helps you enhance yourself. And, you know, that's what I see comparison about when I see somebody lesser than me. I'm like, hey, I grew from there, you know, and when I see somebody better than me, I'm like, I can acquire these skills and become them. And I think each and every one of us have to see resources out there are accessible for us to learn how to be better versions of us. Whether you go in person, you pick up a book. I wrote this book with the intention to provide people who don't have access to treatment or don't or need more treatment from what they have or to guide their treatment providers with what they need. I, you know, I talk about different resources. I talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, what EMDR is, what trauma is, what mood and anxiety is, how to understand when symptoms become problematic. By understanding yourself, the first step to treatment is awareness. By understanding yourself, you can take steps to get into a better place. And each and every one of us deserve to be better better in relationships, better with ourselves, better with self-care, better with self-esteem, not only for us, but the ripple effect around us to our workplaces, to our colleagues, to our family members, to our friends and community and the world as a whole. I wrote this book during the pandemic and it was uh, also accompanied by an online self-help program I put on my website for people who can't make time for therapy. And those are little life lessons. But the purpose of these tools were because my own patients wanted more and more sessions and there's only one of me. So when it came down to it, I wanted to provide tools that I use every day with patients to counteract their mood, anxiety, stress, and traumas and get into a place of hope. Some of us people out there need to hold the light for people who are simply in a place of dark. And this book is about that, bringing back the light, bringing back the hope, allowing you to take steps, baby steps, actionable steps. But yes, during the pandemic, a lot of people got symptoms getting louder and louder, or they found themselves slipping into a dark place that they didn't think they could get into. Many people I knew that were managing well over time with the pandemic got worn down, many family dynamics, relationship dynamics got challenged. And so this book is really about helping people because I found this is a time that more people than ever, even if you thought you were adjusting well to your symptoms and living a good life, struggled with the disconnect, not only with others, but with yourself. Questioning on an existential level, what is the purpose of it all? Some of the people that were suicidal were like, I don't see the purpose of life. I don't see the purpose of being that hamster on the wheel, running that rat race every day. How do I get out of a mindset that I don't want to be here anymore? And it was important for us to start recognizing each and every one of us had a sadness that we felt from the collective sadness of being disconnected from one another. We're social beings. We're born alone. We die alone. It's an individual journey, but it's amongst a collective. And it's important for us to see how do we fit in with others and the pandemic questioned our sense of being not only with others, but with ourselves. Also loneliness uh, versus solitude. Loneliness is where you're alone because you don't have other options. You don't have people to hang out with. You don't have people to be with. And solitude is chosen. I have people to be with, but I'm choosing to be on my own because I enjoy my own company. And so with loneliness, we don't feel like there's a choice. 
Mm-hmm. And many of us had symptoms of loneliness through also symptoms of depression. And depression brings you to a place of feeling disconnected from others where you lose interest in things that usually brought you pleasure and enjoy, like socializing. And so those three were definitely rampate during the pandemic. Some of us who have friends, families, and collective communities that we can rely on chose to be in solitude, to meditate and be on our own because we enjoyed our own company, but we always had an option to go out there and reach out to our bubbles or our family members to get a little bit of a social fix. But many people out there during the pandemic also felt a sense of, I had social friends that were acquaintances, but not close enough friends that during the pandemic, they felt simply lonely. Nobody to reach out there. They didn't have options. And without options, you do feel a steep sense of void, emptiness, a sense of unfulfillment, being on your own, not having the option to be with others. You talk about the power of thoughts. So cognitive behavioral therapy is where thoughts lead to moods and behaviors. And thoughts are sometimes conscious and sometimes unconscious. It's important for each and every one of us to be aware that sometimes I have unconscious thoughts, judgments. Again, life is just a series of experiences, but we as human beings have a tendency to judge our thoughts or our experiences as positive or negative. What we judge as negative is often somehow inconveniencing your life. And that's why we call it negative. But the same scenario can actually be positive or negative. For example, if my niece is like, come upstairs and help me change. And I'm cooking, cleaning, trying to babysit and do everything at the same time. Well, I'm like frustrated and it's an inconvenience. Like, can't you go upstairs and change without me? But she's scared of the boogeyman. But if I'm calm, cool, collected, dinner's cooked, everything's sorted out. I'm in a place that's relaxed. We're playing Scrabble and she wants to go upstairs and change because boogeyman's up there. I'm in a place where I don't see it as a negative experience. I can calmly walk her upstairs and say, let's conquer this fear. Let's change our clothes and come downstairs. So your state of mind is also important. uh, And your state of calmness or state of power in your life affects the quality of your thoughts. If I have room for error, if I have room for the flat tire in my life, it doesn't feel like that big of an inconvenience than it does if I'm rushing around, I have so many deadlines, I can't afford the time to take off to get my car repaired. So it's important for us to realize there's positive and negative thoughts that we refuel through blueprints, modeled behavior. If my mom was very negative or my mom's a bit of a workaholic, she's like promoted to me over and over that hard work's a way to go. I might be holding on to these thoughts and concepts that maybe worked for my mom and maybe even worked for me at one point, but maybe today it doesn't work for me anymore. The overworking is causing me health concerns. The overworking is causing me, you know, stress and agony and problems in my relationships. So deep down inside, we do have to challenge the thoughts or narratives, as I call it, stories that we, you know, build up in our head, which are full of thoughts of positive, negative, good, bad you know, extremes in life about what I need to do and who I need to be versus, you know, being your true self. Many of us don't live our true self. We live, you know, expected versions of our lives. And that's actually what we do in therapy. You know, when I look at children, they're authentically in their true self, they're unconditionally loving, they're non-judgmental, they say it as it is. And then we put filters on kids. You can't say that out loud. That's going to hurt someone's feelings. You can't be that way. You can't run around naked. You got to put clothes on. We start putting all these rules and filters. And then as adults, sometimes we take it too far where you come into therapy to start, you know, reconceptualizing and revising the narratives that now don't serve you. 
You know, maybe once upon a time being quiet in your household was necessary because of the chaos or the conflict. But as an adult, being quiet now might be hurting your relationships or hurting your family life or making you be taken advantage of at work. Sometimes we have to look at things that we grew up with in our family and revise our skill set to become better. Fear and anxiety was on a high during the pandemic. And what is fear and anxiety about? Self-doubt. I don't know if I can handle it. And self-doubt is on a high today. We are insecure about our relationships, our looks, our feelings, our work, our skill set to manage stress, or skill sets to manage sudden changes like traumas or pandemics. Many people are uncertain about the future and how to handle things. I feel like a lot of times you hear people say, I am so stressed. I have anxiety. It's just the way I am. Fantastic question. All of us have anxiety. Anxiety is a way to function. If I didn't have anxiety driving my car, I'd be asleep in it. It is important to recognize that there is a healthy level of anxiety for me to have to function, to drive, to perform, to study for a test, to cook with alertness instead of burning my hands. We need a little bit of anxiety to function. It's when your anxiety gets to a point where it's holding you back from life. When your symptoms are so loud that they're holding you back from work, school, social, intimacy, self-care, managing your money, dealing with life better, that's when it's a problem. So you have to have awareness. The first step to treatment is awareness. Are my symptoms so loud that they're holding me back from having a fulfilling relationship, holding me back from resting at night, holding me back from stepping in my power and asking for that raise or setting boundaries to work proper work hours or being able to ask someone out on a date? It is important for us to look at, are my symptoms holding me back from living the authentic, amazing life I deserve to live? When they're holding you back, it's a problem. Simple. And that's where learning comes in. Each of us, if I had to give us a purpose of life, it's to be a higher, better version of me. But again, who I was in grade three is different from who I am in grade five. I can't kind of criticize who I was in grade three because I did the best I could with what I knew in grade three. And now I have two years of knowledge. I'm better. So instead of scrutinizing, I didn't know better. Just keep learning, keep growing. And if you don't have the answers, we're amongst a world of resources and people. Learn from others friends, colleagues, people who are getting it right, a mentor who is where you want to be, learn from them how they got there, ask professionals, psychologists, social workers, you know, doctors, people who've educated themselves, spent so much time trying to be educated to help you have the resources to be a better version of you. It's important for us to look at, there is so much accessible, but we just don't make the time for it. But you need to be a VIP to your life, a very important person to you. If you can't add you to the equation of your life, what are you living for? And by adding you, that means bringing the skill set to make you a better version of you. And there's tools, resources, professionals out there. There's so much online nowadays. Take 15 minutes a day. Don't make it overwhelming. We get overwhelmed and we throw in the towel. Just take 15 minutes a day. My book is about little exercises to just help you grow in awareness, in knowledge, as well as in skills and tool sets that I teach people every day in therapy sessions. And my own patients buy the workbook to start working as a supplementary text so that if they don't have a session with me, at least they have something they can work on to continue growing. I think our personal journey is learning how to be a better version of us. And so are you taking out the time to do that? You deserve it because you are worthy of better 
And if we don't know how to get there, we're obviously going to feel like that hamster on the wheel stuck in places that we don't want to always want to stay in. We don't realize, but we're always being pushed forward. You know, the universe, the world, whatever you want to call it, your life is always propelling you forward. So when it comes down to it, you can do preventative care and pick up a workbook and start working on yourself and just do it before it's a big problem. Or you can wait till your symptoms are so bloody loud that now you have to do it. When you're really, really sick, what do you do? You have to go to the doctor. When you're really, really having problems in a relationship, now you have to go to a, a counselor. Or you know, when your job is so overwhelming that you don't want to go there anymore, now you have to seek professional help to get through it or learn a skill or quit the job. Our symptoms, our concerns are catalysts for change. And so either we can wait till our symptoms are so loud and bothersome that it forces us to change or forces us to get the help we need, or we can take proactive initiative and start taking baby steps by picking up worksheets and doing preventative care and making some time to have a date with yourself to just work on betterment, work on feeling deserving, work on our relationships, work on our money management, work on things that make us unhappy and unfulfilled so we can be better before they become so loud and problematic that now we're in crises. Let's stop waiting for things to be on fire before we put them out. You talk about being delusional and Mm -hmm. not recognizing when someone's treating you poorly. And I've heard that so many times I've heard people say, well, I provoked him or I deserve that. There's that statement out there. It's better to live with the devil, you know, than the devil out there. And one reason why that statement aligns with many people is we're sometimes comfortable in a dynamic, even if we know it's unhealthy, because we know how to function in it. And our mind goes to, what if I don't know how to function in another place? That what if statement, well, what if you get better? What if you grow? What if you meet someone better? We need to start challenging ourselves. Everything is a thought. Everything is possible, good or bad. But you got to explore the probability of things. What is the probability of my life going downhill? What is the probability of me not doing well? And the delusional piece is escapism. Sometimes we escape the reality to stay in our mind and make excuses for people's behavior, make excuses for why someone behaves problematic. We need to sometimes look at the reality. People show us who they are, and we need to see our own symptoms really as what they are instead of making excuses or popping in a Tylenol or trying to go to bed early and finding quick fixes versus really treating the problem. During the pandemic, drugs and alcohol came to a high because people were taking the edge off their day versus treating the symptoms that were getting louder and louder by the end of the day. And it's important for us to recognize what is recreational use of things that is taking the edge off once in a while for fun. And what is a regular occurrence that is now a problem and a habit that is causing me bigger issues, bigger symptoms and unhealthy cycles with relationships, numbing or, you know, suppressing my feelings and not addressing the problem at hand. Some of the delusion is I don't have a problem with this, but I'm taking it every day. Well, if something you need every day, you might want to treat life instead of self-medicating. And I think we have to start being honest with one another, uh, with symptoms, honest with ourselves, with things that we bring into our lives that might have started as a recreational use, but turns into a problem and makes us escape in some ways brings a delusion in versus reality and living what our day-to-day really looks like. So many times, yes, we're grown up in environments that we repeat blueprints, as I call them. 
you know, repeated patterns from mommy and daddy dynamics. And again, it's not about blaming parents. They did the best they could with what they had from their circumstances, their generation and their toolbox. But as an adult growing up in that environment, you need to start questioning, are the tools in my toolbox that are given from my parents, my society, you know, my community growing up useful to me? What works, keep it. What doesn't work, reconceptualize it and start recognizing, am I dating or am I doing things that are repeating patterns from my upbringing or is it really healthy for me? We do have to pause and reflect in our busy world out there. We don't pause and reflect to see what is healthy and we just work out of automatic pilot or we have a tendency to react versus respond. When you're reacting, you're just repeating patterns. When you're responding, you're pausing and reflecting to see, is this in my highest and best? And I think it's important for us to start recognizing, do I take out time to really look at my life and see if it's fulfilling? The pandemic put a big pause on all of us. And some of us worked harder, don't get me wrong. I've worked with first responders, doctors, lawyers, people who are around the clock working, trying to you know, advocate or, or help people during the pandemic. Those guys didn't get a pause and reflect, but they did realize they have to bring in balance. Otherwise they get sick too. And then many other people got a big pause and that pause started bringing up to surface symptoms, issues, and things that were unresolved and not dealt with. Those pauses are necessary sometimes in life to show us what we turn a blind eye to. And sometimes we have to be grateful for the suffering and the symptoms that pop up because they're trying to prevent us from continuing a cycle that really could be detrimental in your life. And symptoms are the same. So, you know, with drugs and alcohol or abusive cycles or people pleasing or overworking, underworking, you know, food habits, comfort food habits, shopping addictions, whatever you want to call your toxic relationship or habit is, we wobble. To be human is to err. Humble yourself, have compassion for the good days and have compassion for the bad days. On a good day, celebrate you and the changes you made. And on a challenging day that you wobble and you fall back into old patterns, stop beating yourself up. You're human. It's okay. Humble yourself to recognize each time I try, try and try again, I do get to a better place of actually making changes. The awareness of knowing something's not healthy is important, but be human enough to not beat yourself up when you wobble. We all wobble. Bring in support, bring in accountability buddies, bring in friends, bring in resources or professionals that will help you keep on track to get to the goal that you want. But also have some love and compassion for yourself. We're not here to be perfect. We're all perfect in some ways and a work in progress. And that work in progress is about holding yourself in love and compassion to know on a rough day, if I wobble into comfort food habits, it's okay. Tomorrow morning, fresh new start, correct and continue. And, you know, when it comes to therapy over the years, I think more and more people are getting a little bit more accustomed to it. People are starting to see therapists as coaches. Where do you get an hour to just talk about yourself, sort out what's going on in your head and your body and in your relationship dynamics without a filter, without judgment, and actually just get to work on it? Many of us are so overwhelmed that you can't talk to friends and burden them. You you burden your friends or family members by emotionally vomiting but they don't have sometimes the tools to give you to actually sort out what you're going through. So when we emotionally vomit, as I call it on friends and family members, are you really helping yourself? Are you just venting, making yourself feel better for 30, 40 seconds, and then you have to do it again to somebody else. 
you know, recognize what is healthy habits that help you grow and be better. And having a professional in your life or a coach or a therapist is about having someone hold you in a space to just speak, sort it out, and also get guidance on thinking outside the box of what you grew up with, your narratives, to show you other ways to be, to be a higher, better version of yourself. I feel the hardest part is the first session. When people come in the first time, they have all these misconceptions, stereotypes, and thoughts about this girl's going to judge me or this person's going to you know, assess me and think I'm crazy. And we all are so hard on ourselves. We literally sometimes feel like somebody's going to think I'm nuts. And when you come to the safe space of being able to speak about your life, you not only witness your own life in a different way, you allow somebody to hold you in the space to clear. You know, as children, like I said, we're born in a very beautiful, unconditionally loving, truthful place. And then we attach ourselves to labels. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm unlovable. You know, I'm a failure. We hold on to these concepts. I'm an imposter, you know, doubt, fear, anxiety. And a lot of what you do in therapy is you start realizing, yes, all of this is possible, but is it really probable? Is it true? Challenging your own thoughts about yourself. Many times I have people say, I know in my head by my resume, I'm really smart but I feel always like I'm not. So what many times we do in therapy, as well as EMDR, as you were talking about earlier, is clear emotional memory. Many times we know in our head, I'm capable. We feel incapable because of an emotional memory growing up where we attached ourselves to a label that I'm not capable. And so day-to-day triggers of minor traumas or major ones sometimes take you back to these core concepts and belief systems about yourself that keep repeating. I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. Nobody's going to love me. I'm too hard. I'm different. I'm weird. I'm picky. These words that people give me, I'm like, what proof do you have to support that? And many times they don't have proof, but they just feel like it's true. And again, feelings are not facts. I think we have to all recognize that. In the beginning, you talked about toxic relationships could be people, could be things. So once people begin to recognize I have a toxic person or a toxic behavior, like I've heard people say, gosh, maybe I drink too much, but they don't really, they haven't decided if that's true. You talk about the ego and how it wants to hold on to those even when you recognize them. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, the ego divides and conquers. Like our true self knows what it needs to do. Your true voice inside says, this is a bad habit. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't eat that cupcake or, you know, don't don't go drink that whole bottle of wine. You really don't need it. You're going to feel like crap tomorrow morning. You're going to have anxiety. You know, your instinct knows your true voice. I always call your first voice, you know, your gut feeling, your purest voice and everything after It's external forces that pull you away from it. Society, old patterns, you know, model behavior, you know, what people think you should be. And so, you know, many times we know in our gut what is healthy for us, but then we fall into old patterns and habits. And when it comes down to toxic relationships with food, drugs, alcohol, people, jobs, workplaces, you know, with ourselves, it is about you learning to feel deserving of better. It's about us and our self-esteem. And one reason why we don't act or walk in that path is we don't feel like I deserve better. And that's really a, a concept we live by. And so number one, it's really recognizing you deserve better. 
and ending the, those toxic relationships are about recognizing it is hard to break habits. We're creatures of habit. If I'm always exercising this muscle, this one's grown, but I haven't exercised this one. And so I always tell people life is about replacing one thought with the other. Replace the negative thought with a positive thought. Replace the negative habit with a positive habit. But that takes time, gradual steps, baby steps to move forward to a place of health. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to hold yourself in compassion that if I brought myself to being in a habit of unhealthy habits, it's going to take me some time to get out of that and hold yourself in a place of kindness while you do that. The bad habits formed at a time of need, desperation, not knowing better, or a quick fix. And so have compassion for a time that you didn't know better, but now it's a problem. And let's try to change it for our betterment so that things will become bigger. Bring in support systems, make a decision every day to correct and continue. Seek professional help, work on yourself is the key. But recognize that we don't choose bad habits or toxic relationships as a choice, sometimes we just don't know better. And it's about recognizing once you know better, are you taking the steps forward to change? And just because you know better does not mean it's easy to change. That's a good point. And each and every one of us have to recognize once I know better, then I think it's about me trying and try and try again until I get there. We're talking with Dr. Monica Vermani. Her book is A Deeper Wellness, Conquering Stress, Mood, Anxiety, and Traumas. And what I keep hearing you say that I love is baby steps and, it, you know, life is moving us forward. And it seems like I think when people can recognize it's a journey, it's not an overnight switch like you know, I smoke today, I don't smoke tomorrow, but that it's a journey and that we want to have grace and kindness. I love what you say about consistency, that once we recognize it, then we want to pursue consistency. Yeah. And a lot of people, academics, especially I find we just love learning new things. We keep learning. Let me learn mindfulness. Let me learn yoga. Let me learn Pilates. Let me learn this. Let me take this class. Let me take AA. We keep trying to learn things. It's not about learning the right thing. It's about picking one thing and being consistent with it. Many of us are just not consistent with a healthy habit. Pick one habit that you know is healthy and consistently do it. And it will grow in its energy force and changeability. But the key is pick one thing and just stick to it. We're all hard on ourselves and we don't stick to healthy habits sometimes, but we do need the reinforcement. In psychology, they say 21 day rule. You know, any habit you want to form as a new habit in your life, do it for 21 days straight, three weeks. The first week's a little bit of a wobble. The second week is a little harder. Third week is maintenance. And then once you get to that place, don't let it go. Many times we let go of healthy habits and then we try to find the next quick fix or we find the next therapist. Stick with something and just do it mindfully knowing it's healthy for you and be consistent with healthy habits so that you can see the results. And stop expecting quick fixes. We are in a world looking for so many quick fixes, a medication to bring down the anxiety versus understand why did the anxiety come into my life in the first place? A quick fix of breaking up with a relationship versus looking at what is wrong with the dynamics that I keep going into over and over in different people, you know, or understanding comfort food, shopping addictions, you know, not being able to save money. What's going on here that I keep doing over and over without consistent habits? Let's bring in consistency as a way to be a deeper wellness. 
bring in awareness to be a better version of you. That's my big pet peeve with New Year's resolutions, because I feel like they're always like so big and bold and so undoable. And yet if we said, you know, I want to drink a gallon of water a day. What if we said, I want to drink one cup of water more a day and I'll do it when I brush my teeth. Bingo. And make them actionable steps that are, you know, reasonable when it comes down to it, it's like exposure therapy. Pick one thing that you want to expose yourself to that you know is healthy and just do it every day. You know, you don't need to do an hour workout, do five minutes. You don't need to meditate for an hour. Start off with two minutes and just do two minutes consistently. I find it's not the time you spend doing things. It's the consistency and the intention behind it. If you have the intention to heal and want to be better, you will find the right avenues and you'll build the practice that will get you to a place of health. But every time we shop around for new therapists, shop around for a new quick fix, shop around, you know, uh, to a new book, a new thing, a new program, a new online resource, you just never give one enough of a chance to actually show it works. Everything works, guys and girls. Everything works. It's about us learning to do something with intention, practice and focus. Today's world with technology on a go and a high We don't know how to focus. Let's pick one thing and focus on it and bring it to a consistent place. That focus will expand in its energy to bring you the results. And you don't need to see the results right away. I think you need to feel good about yourself. Misery likes miserable company. Weaning, if I'm not feeling good about myself, of course I'm going to crave junk food. Of course I'm going to crave alcohol and substances that take the edge off because I don't feel good. And again, unhealthy habits attract unhealthy behaviors. But when you're in a place of health, like think about when you're feeling good about your life, you don't mind eating healthy. You don't mind getting a more exercise. You don't mind socializing a bit. I think our goal is every day paying attention to what are obstacles to my health. Pay attention. The workbook I've put together is about you recognizing the obstacles to you reaching the life you want. I always tell people, if I had a magic wand, I can take away all your problems. Where do you want life to be? Work, social intimacy, self-care, spirituality, And spirituality is not religion. Spirituality is you enjoying your own spirit, your own company, the content in your head, as well as you enjoying your own company. And so to me, I always tell people, if I can take that wand and take away your problems, where do you want to be? And your life's goal should be taking yourself from where you are to where you want to be. This gap are the symptoms in your life, physical symptoms, physiological symptoms, negative thoughts that race around in your head and the unhealthy negative behaviors. They hold you back from living your life the way you like. Let's take charge today. Let's go into a deeper wellness and move forward because you deserve a better life that is not about misery, sadness, and being stuck in symptoms, but alleviating it for freedom, living authentically, happily, and in a place where you're proud of who you are and enjoy your own company and then choose to bring others in. It's like hope. We can take control of our life in a world where we've had no control over the last two years. Dr. Monica, a deeper wellness, conquering stress, mood, anxiety, and traumas. Thank you so much. I feel like you've just given us a wealth of information and a tool that we can start to take charge and make a difference, not only in our life, but our family and everyone around us. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I will say a quote that I think always helps people, right? And so I always tell people, don't give from your your well, give from your overflow. And so let's take care of ourselves to not give from empty over and over. 
We're in a world right now where many people are feeling lack, empty, and void. Let's stop being so depleted, tired, overworked, overstretched, and bogged down by responsibilities. Let's learn to replenish, fill ourselves, treat ourselves, get the knowledge to be better versions of ourselves. And don't give from your well, give from your overflow. When you're in a place of overflow, you're not reacting with negativity, irritability, anger, and anxiety. You're in a place of calmness, being able to pause and reflect and respond. Let's take charge right now. It's a time for each of us to work on our own healing so that we can heal communities or families and even the world. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are